So today, for those of you who are new, we do one of three things every month. We either talk about leading yourself, leading a team, the second thing, or leading your organization, your division, your larger setting. It's usually one of those. We spend most of our time on leading ourselves, some time on leading a team, and very little time on leading a larger organization, because not all of us lead organizations. We are a part of them, but we don't necessarily lead them. I actually believe we all lead our organizations. We just do it from different chairs. But today what I want to do is go up about 10,000 feet and look at all three of those. I want to look at organizations, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit, and tell you some things that are in it. And if you, you go, well, wait a minute, I'm only in marketing, or I'm in human resources, or I'm in the accounting division, or I'm in just production, well, it is good every once in a while to know what everybody else does in your company. And for those of you who are sole proprietors or CEOs, you do all of these, or you have people that do them all, and it's good to know because actually I believe that all of us have to have our hands a little bit in every one of these areas. We think we're just so in one area, and so today we're going to look at this. There's 15 areas, so here's the thing. You're not going to be able to write all this down. So we do a blog. The blog comes out later this afternoon, so just go to bocacommunity.org, and you can get all the slides later this afternoon. So write some notes, some things that you want to learn, but don't try to write every word that I put up here or say, or it'll be very frustrating. Is that okay? So let's start. And this is, I think, a way for long-term strategic success in your business. And again, we're talking business here, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit. Some of these things work in family and sports leagues and other settings as well, but this is a business setting. And I'm going to take it at three levels. The external level, all the things that your company or business does that is external, externally focused, and then two internally focuses. One is the fiscal or physical side of your business or whatever you do, and all the things attached to that, the money and all the rest of that, and then the human side of it all. So we're going to go external, physical, human to start, and we're going to do a little discussion in the middle of this. So let's start with external, and you see on your form there, you got five areas there, and we're going to look at these five areas, and then we're going to spend some time around the table, because with COVID, this has totally changed. Not one person in here is doing their business the same as they did in March of 2020 or February of 2020. And if you are, you're missing the boat a little. Some of your businesses are doing much better because in COVID, you, you have the type of business that does better. And some are not doing as well, and some have had to adjust and are doing about the same. I've heard everybody across the board. Let's look at these five areas real quick. The first is market. This is the obvious thing. What is your market? But I want to look at this a little different and think about it in your own setting. What markets are you in, first of all? What is your market? Your market may be very tight, very simple, very this. Your market may be very large, but only in South Florida. Some of you are multi-state, multi-county, multinational. Are they the right markets that you need to be in? These are questions you need to be asking because if these questions were answered, five, six, ten years ago, they may not be the same answers today as they would have been back then because you may have opportunities to go into different markets based on your skills of your team. Should you enter some 
and should you exit some of these markets? Some of you may be doing too much and need to go like this. And nobody's thinking about this. You go, you've got to think about this. What are the forces shaping your market? Which of your markets are growing and which are stagnating? And hopefully you're thinking through this. All of you who are business owners are thinking this. I, as a leader of a church and a school, am thinking this. And i got to tell you, this is interesting. When COVID hit, I thought our school, we planned that our school would lose 100 students. We've actually gained students. It is an, it's like beyond me. We are gaining students, and that's partly because we have a great team, but it's partly because of the market. The market has shifted, and there's things where people want to be in a private school that is a little more understood, which is where we're heading and all during all this, and it has grown. But the markets, you go, the market is a public school versus private. Well, then there's good private schools. So is it this private school, this private school, this private school? Is it, you know, then dollars come into play. Is it a private school that charges this much or a private school that charges this much? You see all that, and we are in a place of a market, and it is growing. The second area is the area of your customers and clients. Some call you the people you sell to you uh, do products to, you do services to customers, some call them clients, some call them patients, some call them students. Put the word in there that is your word um, that you use. And who are they? Who do, why do they use you? This is important. Why is someone choosing to use you versus someone else? Are there other potential customers? And what are the problems behind why you're not gaining more of them? These are just basic, basic issues. I want to spend more time on the next three. Let's look at the next one. Your competitors. There is a competition, and you go, well, I'm a nonprofit. I don't have competitors. You do have competitors because there's a limited amount of money being given. You have a competition of money. You say, I'm in politics. I'm in something else. There is limited things. So you need to know who your direct competitors are, and how are their products or services compared to yours? Where are you better? Where are you worse? Where are you ahead? Where are you behind? And how is your relationship with them? Let me just stay with that. Most people do not have a relationship with their competitors. That's them. This is us. Can I just tell you, that is the wrong way to do business. Your competitors should be your best friends because they don't do exactly what you do. I, I see schools here. I see, you know, there are places where schools, the students may not have, you may not have the programs, and so, but we have the programs. Or you go, maybe I want to fund something in a nonprofit. And maybe as an attorney, you only do certain things. You need to have other attorneys. You name anything, architects here. We've got all these businesses, real estate, who are here. And if we don't talk to our competitors, we'll never know either to give them business and maybe some referral fees if that's a part of how you do it, or for them better to give you business. And I have to say, your competitors are a great place to garner business from because you have a very specific thing, and if you're doing it well, you know your market, you know your customers, they will come to you. But if you got an attitude about your competitors, if you're always moaning about your competitors, everybody knows that you don't like your competitors, those competitors are not going to help you. There are people in this room, I won't ask you to raise your hand, who have a table of competitors together. 
in the same industry, but not in the same business, and they're competitors. But in a good sense of the word, we think of competitors in a bad sense, it is a good thing. The next one is very important. What are the substitute areas that people are using instead of using you? And this is big. This is what's happening with COVID. There are things that are happening where people are no longer using you. They're no longer going to because there are substitutes in it. Now, using my old industry, before I was a pastor, I was in real estate. I want somebody to use a realtor to buy, sell, lease, whatever, right? So my normal competitors would be other realtors who would be in the market that I'm in, right? Those are the competitors. But the substitutes are someone who says, you know, I'll just do it on my own. That's a substitute. I have to convince somebody not to do a substitute, but to use me or one of my competitors, right? And that's what you have to do. And so, but there are a lot of substitutes out there. Who are your indirect competitors? Do substitutes threaten your business? Opportunities to expand or acquire. There are so many businesses. You got to ask, is your business even going to be in business in five years? And you go, well, how can that be? Well, I had a very close friend who was involved in, he would put together uh, packages of CDs and DVDs, you know, for companies that wanted to put together. And if you're a speaker, you would do the 10 reasons why to have a better family, the five reasons to have your business better. Nobody buys CDs and DVDs anymore, right? He is out of that business. Why? Because it's all streaming. So... The only way you do it is streaming or in person, but nobody buys it. We don't even, I had to borrow a DVD player to show my father a DVD of something that was an old, that somebody said, oh, you got to see this. We had to borrow a DVD player and figure out how to plug it in because everything else is streaming, right? That whole business is gone. If you're a travel agent, your business is gone. I mean, you might have a very niche business in some high-end travel, but the normal thing, and my kids laugh about how plane tickets used to be written. You know, do you remember when plane tickets were written? Has anybody ever had a written plane ticket? Raise your hand. Okay, about half of us. So I was on a trip with my kids um, and a bunch of people, and they lost my ticket. I mean, the, the reservation was lost, the whole thing. Okay, so they said, well, we'll just write you a new ticket. I said, no problem. So they're all there, and they're all checked in, and I'm here, and I have no ticket. And uh, so the guy behind writes the ticket, writes the ticket on one of those, you know, triplicate things, you know, and they go, what is that? And I, I take it, and of course, I only get the second one, so you can barely read it, but I saw, you know, I knew what seat I was in, and they knew what seat I was in, and my kids are just laughing. Why? Because we don't go to the travel agent anymore to buy our tickets, because they're all done online, and then you just print them out, and now you don't even have to print them out. I mean, is that amazing? You just put them on your app at wa Apple Wallet, and you just go up there with your phone. I mean, it's just a total new industry, right? That industry is gone. It wasn't gone 10 years ago. And it was a great business 15 years ago, but it's gone now. Is your business going to be here in 10 years? Is your business going to be here in five years? Do you have something to give to your children in your business? Maybe so, maybe not. The, third, the fifth one, which is really important, is our disruptors. This is when your business really gets disrupted. This is the technological changes. So I run a church, right? And um, Bob over here says, you can't do church. 
you know, they closed down everything, and I'm not offended by that. Uh, we closed our church down, and what did we do? We went online a year ago. Well, when you go online, that's all good. That's a disruption. But what happens is then anybody can go online to anything. I have people now listening to other church services all over the country with better preachers than I am, and they're going, why would I want to come back? You see the disruption? You know, we used to have 1,000 people on a Sunday. We have five, 600 now. And how am I going to get the other four or 500 back when they're just happy as can be because their lives were disrupted from relationship with us, and it may never come back? See, the disruptions that have been caused, COVID didn't cause, isn't the reason of the disruption. It's the cause up here, but they're doing other things. And in your business, why, what are the disruptions that are happening in your business that may cause your customers not to come back or to spend less or do less or be less in it? And you have to look at it. It's technological changes. It's industry changes. It's buying habit changes. So you own all these or you lease all these spots and half of your employees aren't going to come back into those spots again. And now you're in these long-term leases. What are you going to do? Or, you know, I mean, we have the obvious things of Instacart and why would I ever go to Costco again? Go online, do it, and Costco's have all these big boxes. None of us work for Costco here probably, but you go, that's a disruption because now our food can come at any time right to our door. It is a, isn't that a beautiful thing? We get these things from Target and then from Aldi's and then from Publix and then from Costco all in the same day. It's unbelievable. It is like, why go and harass yourself with all that parking and all when it just shows up? But they have a disruptive business cycle now. They're making money on their online, but they have all these big boxes that none of us are going to anymore. So what does that do in your business? You go, well, that's easy to know, but it's hard to know in your business. So let's pause for a minute. At your tables, I want you to talk about what are the competitors, substitutes, and disruptors that have been occurring in your business or your line of work or your nonprofit over the last year that are beginning to change how you do business. And we're only going to take two minutes, so you got to just real quickly just kind of shoot around the table. Competitors, substitutes, disruptors in your business and industry. Take a couple moments. So the first area we talked about is external. The next two are internal within your organization, and we're going to spend the last time with it. On the left side of your graph is the fiscal area, fiscal being the physical things, the financial things of it. And let's go through them quickly because some of them are very easy. Number one is capital. This is how you finance, and you need to understand that financing is a little different now. For some industries, it's a lot easier, and for others, it's a lot more difficult. And if you haven't done any financing lately, you need to uh, work through that and understand that. The ability to acquire more capital or not, and what are your financial guardrails? And this is something a lot of people don't talk about. You need to understand that in your business, you need to have some guardrails because the economy is going up and down, and of course we know that this year with the pandemic, I think when we get out of the pandemic, we're going to have uh, certainly some worldwide economic 
flows up and down, and you need to have some guardrails to that because if you think it's going to be the way it is always uh, the way it is this year, it's not going to be. You've got to look at your market, understand it, and talk to your bankers and talk to your um, capital people and your equity people and really understand where you want to go with this. This is what owners do. The second area is your costs. That's the budgets, that's the expenses, that's the allocations. And let me tell you, um, there's opportunities to save in this area. I have learned this year, and I know you have too, that we have had to kind of squeeze our budget. There are times to just squeeze the budget and re-understand how you're spending your money. The way you spent your money uh, five years ago, ten years ago, is not the way you should be spending it today. You need to kind of go, am I doing the right things? Am I spending it in the right way? Do I have the right employees? Do I have the right number? And all the rest. And then because what comes is the accounts payable, which was down there at the bottom. Accounts payable never leave you. That's what you owe every month to run your business. And I got to tell you, I remember a few years ago when I was working for a company, I was the, the head of it. Uh, my CFO and my bookkeeper would come in every Wednesday. We never had enough money. It was like we lived on the edge and we didn't have enough money. And it, we used the green sheets back then. I don't know if you ever did that to do accounts payable. And it was like the stack was this high. And I go, we only have X, they would tell me, and we could only pay so many. And you just kind of, this is not a way to live in a business. I, I said, I got to get out of this conundrum as fast as possible because I like paying my bills the week they're due and not three, four weeks or some with you months later. Accounts payable never end. Systems. This is those people who do the product or the service you produce. Are you being competitive? Are they up to date? Are there changes needed? This is interesting because um, I uh, consulted with a small family company um, it was a small, maybe five, six employees. They had a full-time bookkeeper doing the books. And I said, are they on QuickBooks? And they looked at me and go, what is QuickBooks? And I said, do you realize that what this lady, and it didn't matter if it was a lady or man, working 40 hours a week could be done in three hours a week? And they said, impossible. I said, believe me when I say it's a three-hour job. They had a full-time person and they wouldn't get rid of her. Oh, this is the way we've always done it. I said, it's your money. You can do what you want, but please understand, it's a couple hundred dollars a week to do this, not thousands. And yet they wouldn't change because they didn't understand their systems, and they didn't understand there's things that can happen that you can truly save money at. The next one is processes. Where are the responsibilities? Where is your strength? Uh, issues like building space. I mean, a lot of you have way more space than you need. How can you move and get out of it and move that, sublet it, do all those things, save money. Equipment upgrades. I got to tell you, equipment is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. We had, um, you know, we have these huge collating copy machines that cost a fortune and cost a fortune every month. And I tell you what, the new contracts are a lot better than the old contracts. And you just got to get and renegotiate and learn how you can save money. There's people working from home, and you got to realize, is there anything obsolete? Like sometimes having full-time people when a part-time person can work as well. Let's go to the next one. This is important, speed. Speed. We need to understand that there is a time and a place, an ability, a time and place to do things. 
Let me just give you a fun example of this and then a serious one. So I used to manage a building, and uh, there was a bagel shop in it, a deli and kind of a C-store, convenience store. And one day I'm in there negotiating with the owner, and I hear a ding, like a little click ding. And he says, we have to stop. I thought, there's no one in the store. We're negotiating his future lease extensions, and I hear a ding. And he goes, we got to stop. What he was, he was toasting his bagel. And I'm serious. I learned a great lesson. He said, there is only so much time you can apply the butter or the, the cream. I use butter. And he said, there's only so much time to really activate a good bagel. And he says, I do good bagels here. And it was for him. So he does it. He comes back, and he's eating his bagel, offers me none, because we, we, we were arm's length at the time. And I go, teach me this thing. Because I love bagels. I never knew. I would toast my bagel, then go do something, and then put the butter on later. He goes, you got, there's only so many seconds you have to really activate the butter with the bagel and the heat and all the rest. And I know how to do it now. The problem is I'm not allowed to eat bagels anymore because I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm not allowed to do it. But you see, there is a timing to this. And there is a speed to this, and we need to understand it. And let me tell you, those who, any of you who own real estate, what are the three most important words in real estate? Location, location, location. Can I just tell you that's the biggest lie you have ever said? It has nothing to do with location. It's timing, timing, timing. Because even a dog of a location in the right time is worth money. A beautiful location in the wrong time is worthless. So Elizabeth and I were up in Chicago a couple of weeks ago visiting our daughter and doing a little business, and Chicago is a great uh, retail center of the Midwest. It's probably, outside of New York, is probably the biggest retail area in this part of the world. And so uh, one of the, the, the landmark uh, stores is an eight-story Macy's which used to be Marshall Fields, but it's a Macy's. It's like the cornerstone on Michigan Avenue and Pearson. It's like the most important thing. Do you know what it is now? Boarded up. Eight stories. If a Macy's in the most important street, except for Fifth Avenue and Rodeo Drive in the United States for retail, cannot make it work, location does not mean anything. It's timing. And you need to understand that in your business. It's the timing. If there is an opportunity, take the time to do it because that opportunity may not be here next year. If it's not the right time, don't do it because it's not like what you're thinking of today is going to work next year or what you thought about a year ago is going to work today. In fact, I was talking to friends that were talking about marketing going some people are doing some things now based on the marketing analysis they did two or three years ago, and they're making huge mistakes they're following the market analysis of two years ago, but it shouldn't be done today. You see, you've got to stay in front of this whole speed and timing thing in your business or nonprofit, your school, whatever it may be. Now, let's look at the third real quickly. Our time is almost up. The human side. This is where we spend most of our time in Boca Leeds, so I'm going to go quickly with it. Five areas. The first is values. You can use the word character. This is the whole area that is the consistency in your business. You as the leader, you as an employee, need to have a consistent character, a consistent set of values that you do, because if you don't, 
this company goes like this. People need to know that the company, the person I dealt with yesterday is the same person I'm dealing with today. And as I look at you, I look at people all around this room, I go, I've worked with them and I would work with them again because they have consistent values. My insurance person, who I've had since I was just out of college, is in this room. Uh, I won't tell you how many years ago that is. He's about to retire, and I've got to find a new insurance person, but I've used the same person because of consistency of values. It's an amazing thing. The next one is smarts. I did a whole talk last year on smarts and the importance of getting the right people and preparation, reflection, the ability to see where you need to head and take your people with you, and the technical things. You need to make sure you got some smart people around you, people that are wise in your industry and know where you need to go. And what's interesting, if you don't, get in a tech group or one of those groups. There's a lot of them around that, you, that can help you assess how you should proceed because you, you should never be or always be the smartest person at your table. You need to bring people around you who also are smart in other areas of your business and bring them together. Quickly, teams. We spend a lot of time on teams, uh, so I won't do much here today. But do you have the right people on your team, and are they in the right seats, using Jim Collins' words, on the bus, your company being the bus? You may have the right people. Are they in the right seats? Do you have the right people doing the right thing? And that is so important. It takes some discernment, some understanding as well. Then culture. Three words to remember about culture, and I've done a lot of teaching on this. Is the culture at your work generative? Is it a meaningful culture? Respect, purpose, or is it habitual, very repetitive? People come, they do their job, don't like to do it, but they still do it and they do it. Or is it toxic, cutthroat? And here's what's important. I want you to, and you'll see this if you get the blog later today. Generative does not mean there's no conflict. What it means is you deal with conflict well. You're going to have conflict. If you put two people in a room, you will have conflict. When you put 30 people of your employees in a, an area, you're going to have a lot of conflict. You've got to learn to deal with it well. If it, you're in a habitual culture, you avoid conflict. I'm having problems with Well, don't do with it. Let's go this way. We avoid conflict, and that is not good. And we've talked a lot about that. Toxic uh, is destructive conflict. And you've seen places and people have talked to me about bad conflict and how people are destructive. And you need to break through that and change that. Lastly, story. This is important. How is your reputation? Are others telling your story? Do you have repeat business? This is where your business grows. This is why your business grows. Whether it's nonprofit, are people giving to you a second year? Or your business, are people coming back to you? Because here's the thing. I can stand up here and shout my business all day long. But when you shout my business, it grows. Everybody's supposed to shout their own tune and, and do their own business. Yes, but when other people say you should use that person, I used that company. I used her. She was fantastic. I used him. He was great and honest and gave me a fair price and a good opportunity. And that's when your business grows. I tell you what, telling the story is so important. Our time is up. So let me just share one last thing. <clears throat> 
got a, it's very meaningful week for me because we have Passover that started a couple of days ago. We have, and then continues through the week and Easter that starts tomorrow and for the weekend. It's very meaningful for me. I just love this time of year. And so I was reflecting a little about it and I, I remember a story and you go, how does this work? But um, Elizabeth and I travel a lot. And so a couple of years ago, we were in Africa, which we used to go every year to work with partners like Valerie and her team. But we'd be in Africa. We were there about three years ago, and I thought, I had my daughter. She's about 18 at the time, 17. I said, let's go to England afterwards and spend a little private time and have some fun. And so we were planning this trip, and it was working out. And my next-door neighbor is my um, car insurance guy. That's an industry that's changed if you're in that, right? You don't even go, you know, 15 minutes for 15%. Who has a, a person they know? Well, I still do. And uh, he's my next-door neighbor. And so we were talking, and I said, Tom, you got to answer the question that I, I always struggle with. And when I'm at, a, in, uh, at the uh, rental place to get a car, and they go, do you want the insurance, I always stutter. I go, no, and then they go, well, you know what? If you get in an accident and this and that, you know how I much mean? it is a day? And, but if you pay this extra $30 a day and... You know, and so I, I'm in this constant struggle. I said, Tom, what should I do? He goes, you are covered. You are covered. You got the best. You got the platinum plan, whatever, with our company. You never buy the insurance. You're covered. I go, great. Off we go to Africa. We go to London. I'm at Heathrow. I go to the Enterprise. I love the green Enterprise. I get there. I get a car that's exactly like my car because I knew they swap. You know, it's left side, so it's the right steering. I knew the car, just the opposite side, you know, because it's terrible driving over there, and you learn it. You want the insurance. I go, no. No insurance. You sure? They beg you. They do everything. No. My guy in Boca says no, so it's no. <laughs> We're, we do all of southern um, England for days. We go into Wales. We're in those little hedgerows. We get back to Heathrow, it was a fantastic week, unbelievable. Fly home, the next weekend we're home, we're doing the lawn, he's doing his lawn. How was your trip, Bill? I said it was great, and by the way, thanks for telling me I didn't have to pay because you know how many pounds it costs to do this and pounds are a dollar eighty, you know, for a dollar. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I go, I didn't take the insurance. He goes, you're out of your mind. (laughs) He goes, your insurance is only good for the United States. You always fly to Chicago and rent cars. I was uninsured for a week in England with all those hedgerows and all those roundabouts that you always go the wrong way. Have you ever driven, right? You go, oh, my lands, it's not right, it's left, it's not this, it's that. I had no insurance. Here's the point. We are entering a world that we do not know what is going on. We do not know what we do not know. And we're just flying through these hedgerows of life, these hedgerows of business. And I tell you what, you need to get people around you that know what's going on and work together and move together. And I think we can move through this very well. I think we in Boca have a lot of the assets that I just spoke about in each of our businesses, and I would encourage you to grow and move forward, but do it cautiously, 
do it carefully, and don't be as obnoxious as I was when I said, I don't need it. Because there are times when you need other people and you need other things. Isn't that the truth? Have a great day, and thank you.